0: In today's episode, we're speaking to Parker Stevenson. Parker is a co-owner and the chief business officer at Evolved Finance, a bookkeeping agency that specializes in helping online entrepreneurs to build a more profitable and financially stable online business. For over six years, Parker has been advising some of the top coaches, course creators, influencers, and thought leaders on how to make more sound business decisions using their financial data. So let's speak to Parker Stevenson and find out how to build a solid foundation or solid Financial foundations for our businesses. Let's find out. Money mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame, and blast through your money blocks, so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money. Whether you're in a job. Profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Girl Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Girl Khan, your money mindset expert. And today we have Parker Stevenson back with us. Welcome, Parker.
1: Hi, Girl. Thank you so much for having me.
0: We had such a blast talking to you last time. So we had to have you back. And obviously, you guys have heard Parker. On our Friday feature, when you talked about his inspiration story, and we got so much inspiration from him, but he spoke, he dropped so many golden nuggets during that conversation that we had to have him back for our Money Talkies segment here, so he can actually teach us up something specific. So you've seen that, you've heard the intro. You know how amazing Parker is. So Parker, today we're going to talk about a very, very important topic. What are we talking about today, Parker?
1: We're going to be talking about building a strong financial foundation for your business because I think for a lot of us as entrepreneurs. When we think about starting our businesses, we're thinking about what are we going to do? Mm. Who are our clients? How do we attract those clients? How do I build my operations so we can, we can serve more customers and more clients, right? It's usually mm. sales, marketing, and then operations. And then a lot of the times we go, oh, what are we doing with our money? Mm. And there's, I think, a lot of things that you as an entrepreneur can be doing no matter where you're at. In your business life cycle Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that we have a solid setup so we can just let that money come in and feel like we can move our businesses forward confidently without always having that stress and anxiety around, is my business financially viable?
0: Perfect. And that's exactly, I think a lot of people, including myself, probably need some more guidance on this this point because I think entrepreneurs are those who are, you know, they have their creatives and they have all these amazing ideas and they want to go and serve people, which is all well and good. But unless you're making profit, unless you've got a a system in place, there's only so far you can go. And this is where, you know, people like um, Parker can come in and really sort of, you know, look at the, the business and see, okay, where the gaps are and tell you how to move forward. So what would be the first steps? I mean, assuming, assuming that somebody has like myself, has a great idea, has a great product, and knows her target audience and has all the foundations in place for the business herself. But to to sustain a successful business, which we can scale up, what would be the next step after that, Parker?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing is is I think we have to get in the mindset of understanding our business is separate from us personally,
0: yes, especially from important. a
1: financial standpoint. Um, and well, I imagine for you, this probably came instinctually, but I don't <laughs> think it comes instinctually for a lot of people because maybe when you start your business, you go, I'll just run you know, I'll collect the money in my personal bank account and i'll I'll, I'll send out some of the expenses from my personal bank account and we'll see where it goes. And then as business starts to pick up, we start to get busier and we don't prioritize separating out our finances between our personal and and our personal lives and our business lives. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's really important for moving your business forward um, because we need that clarity around what's my business doing. And I think as business owners, we have to accept the responsibility that not only are we like everyone else who has to manage a personal budget and make sure Mm -hmm. our household budgets are in good shape, but now we have this extra responsibility of going, okay, well, I have to do the same thing for my business. Is it financially healthy? And do I know what's going on? And so if you are operating your business in the same place you're operating your personal financial life, it gets cloudy. Not only for you, But then when you have to get an accountant involved to file your taxes, it gets cloudy for them. If Mm. you're going to hire a bookkeeper so they can start doing the books for you, or even if you're trying to do your own bookkeeping, it's going to be cloudy and really unclear what's personal and what's business. So the easiest thing you can do if you're not doing it already is to open up a separate checking account, maybe even a credit card, separate PayPal account, Mm -hmm. um, just for your business. So you're running your business revenue through it and any business expenses through it. And that's just like one of the easiest ways we can start to have that mindset of, okay, I have two different things, two different parts of my life I have to manage financially while also giving you the clarity around what's really going on in my business so we can make better decisions around what we're seeing with the activity on the business side of things.
0: I completely agree. So this is a very, very important part. And I have to say, I am guilty of this as well. So when I first started out um, and I wasn't, because for the longest time I wasn't making any money. And when I did start making money for the first few months, it didn't take me very long to start and realize, oh shoot, I, you know, I need to open a company because before then I was working as a sole trader. I don't know how it operates in UK, in US, but in UK, we can work as sole traders or we can open a company. But I wanted to see if I could make this business viable. So I traded as sole trader for the first few months. And during that time, I used my personal, unfortunately, I too used my personal checking account. And then now when I had to file it, um, it was a nightmare. Oh my goodness, working out what's business and what's not. And what did I actually pay myself? And, you know, <laughs> it was complete mess. I, I remember thinking back, it was awful. But then I opened up the company and then, as soon as I opened a the company, then obviously being, being having a legal background, instantly you can't use my, my bank account cannot be used for my company because it's a legal entity. So I, I then went ahead. Once the company was opened, everything for me became, you know, separate. It, has, it became a separate identity, Business became, had its own entity and therefore had its own finances and therefore had its own accounts and cards and whatnot. But it's like, I say, I think this is very important to recognize if you don't have this, this is the first step to take. And even if you if, if listen to this and they're like, well, girl, I'm in the same place as you. And if you are and you're just starting out as a coach or if you're starting business at the moment and you're working as a sole trader, especially if you're offering a service, I would recommend even now open a separate bank account. Uh, Even if it's a very basic bank account, open a separate bank account and start putting all the business revenue through it. Wouldn't you say, Parker, even if you're just starting out?
1: Yeah, because, I mean, it's a similar situation here. If you don't have what's called a business entity, um, you're just a sole proprietor, which I think Mm. is a sole trader is is what you, you mentioned. So, you know. You can just open a second checking account. Most banks aren't going to hold that against you. Ideally, you're banking maybe with someone who's not going to charge you a bunch of extra fees for having mm-hmm. a second checking account. But if you just open that second checking account and then operate your business out of it, you can do that until you feel like your business is getting big enough that you're like, okay, I'm, I might want the legal protection of, of, a, of a business entity to then run my business through. Um, then you can make that transition down the road. But I think, uh, you know, again, for that clarity, regardless of if you're a sole proprietor or a sole trader um, or you have a business entity, let's just get it separate in whatever <laughs> way we can. Cause I promise that's gets to the second thing I want to talk about is no one should be filing their taxes on their, their own. I guess maybe unless you live in a country where they make it very easy to file taxes for a business, which I can assure you in the U S our tax system is an absolute nightmare. Um, yeah. I, the only time I've seen entrepreneurs put themselves in situations where they feel like, I wish I never started my business. Like I'm worse off for starting my business than I would have if I just stayed at my day job Mm -hmm. was because they tried to file their taxes themselves. They trusted someone who's not qualified to file their taxes for them. Uh, And they get themselves in a situation where they get this surprise tax bill and they've just dug themselves into a hole that they're like, ooh, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Mm -hmm. And I think when you are starting your own business, again, I think entrepreneurship is so sexy and exciting and everyone loves to talk about being business owners. uh, in today's day and age. And that's great. Mm -hmm. But I think we sometimes forget there's this responsibility now that we didn't have before when we were just, you know, employees working for another company where they send you your paycheck, the taxes get taken out. You know, when it comes to file your personal tax return at the end of the year, it's very simple. You might even be able to do that on your own and not need an accountant. Now there's a bunch of new rules you have to play by as a business owner that I just don't think is reasonable for a business owner to know all those things themselves. I think there's a certain amount of inf- like a certain amount of, of of things you need to know as a business owner around your taxes like just general stuff, like mm-hmm. the general things just like I think we have to know generally how most parts of our businesses work even if we're not the experts in it, but having an accountant who is the expert who can advise you, keep you out of trouble with the government and taxes. I think is it's just a sunk cost you have to accept from the start. Like whatever you need a budget for the accountant, just know every year I'm going to pay for that. And I'm just going to make sure I make at least enough money from my business to cover my accountant filing my taxes.
0: Okay so that's so that's the second step. So first of all make sure you have a legal separate checking account so a so, uh, separate so treat your business as a separate entity to yourself and not uh, sort of muddle the two together uh, even if you don't have uh, a company at the moment you should have a, a treat your business as, as a separate legal entity and then have a separate uh, account for it and if it's a company then obviously a checking account for the company and fi- and thirdly actually have an expert to advise you and I, and I completely agree with this Parker because I think in every area you want to be working with people who are experts in those areas you don't want to be you know wearing all the different hats and the long run it actually works out cheaper to hire an expert to do their job than to try and do it yourself because not only are you going waste time over um, time you probably end up wasting money because if you keep filing correctly like you said you can have a hefty bill so these are things we need to keep in mind early on, which is I need to make sure that the money is kept in a separate uh, bank account. I need to make sure and have an expert on hand or find an expert who can actually file my tax returns and tell me what I need to do. What else you know, what, what else do we need to make sure that we are taking care of in terms of finances, for, you know, make sure that we are starting on the right foot when we, we set up our business?
1: Well, the other thing here is how can we keep your account simple? Mm-hmm. So with the popularity of books like Profit First and um I think just entrepreneurs' natural tendencies to sometimes want to make things more complicated in the early stages than mm-hmm. they really need to be. Um, we we have to think about like the amount of accounts we have adds complexity to the way we we're gonna track our business. So let's say we do have that separate checking account we talked mm-hmm. about for your business. If you open eight of them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: now it's gonna be harder. To keep track of what's going on in the business, it's going to be harder to keep track of all the money being transferred across the different accounts. Um, maybe you instead of having just one business credit card, we have four business credit cards, and maybe we for now we're forgetting to pay one of them off instead of um just having one where we're maximizing our, our points around. So that's where what we've found is is for our clients, and again, some of our clients um, you know, they're doing multi multi-seven figures, mm-hmm. you know, they, they they've a lot of them have been very, very successful. Um, and They're able to operate their businesses with one main checking account. Maybe they have a savings account or two, one where they keep some extra money to operate the business. Another one, maybe they're saving for taxes. Um, Some Mm -hmm. of our clients don't have a savings account at all. They just keep everything in the main checking account. That's really up to you. But from there, we like our clients to have one main credit card as much as possible because if we're going to be running expenses through the business, let's put it on a credit card and get points, right? Mm -hmm. And business credit cards tend to have better rewards points, than personal credit cards do. And you tend to have way more expenses in your business than you have in your personal life. I mean, we have clients who are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on expenses between contractors and advertising and software mm. and all the aspects of running a business, that as much of that that they can run through the credit card, they're never gonna pay for a, a flight or a hotel again because they rack up so many points. And if they were trying to spread those points across four different credit cards, then they they sort of dilute their, their points, and they can't really maximize their points unless it's on one card where Mm. all their points are consolidated. So they can really use those points to get some great benefits from, from their credit cards. So, you know, the, the credit card thing I think is, is really a matter of, can we get a high enough limit on that Mm. credit card to allow us to pay for at least most of our expenses Mm. every month from there. But once we can get that credit card, as long as we're paying it off every month, let's get those points, but we don't need Three. We don't even need two. Maybe you can have a backup one if you want, but otherwise let's get one main credit card. We can run everything through the business Mm -hmm. from there because our, most of our clients run online businesses. PayPal is a common one for them. So we really ask that they only have one PayPal account uh, because PayPal is such a difficult account to track financially because of the way that the transactions flow through PayPal. So we just, uh, I would say, definitely just keep the one PayPal account. You only really need one merchant account unless your business is so big that you need a backup merchant account. Again, a common one for our clients is Stripe, but having three merchant accounts for your clients to pay you in three different places and three different ways. Again, just adds complexity. And yeah. then that gets back to the checkout software, especially online businesses. If you're going to be collecting money from your customers, how can we have one checkout software, whether you're using something like ThriveCard or SamCard, or you're using a CRM like Infusionsoft or Entreport, or you're using like if you're, you know, a lot of our clients sell courses, maybe they're using Kajabi or Teachable and they're using their checkout page to collect mm-hmm. money from their, their customers. The more we can have one sales software, one checkout software, where regardless of if the is paying you for for one on one consulting, paying for a course, um, paying for their service. If it's all going through one place, now we have one place to log into to see, okay, how are our sales doing for the day, for the week, for the month? And then again, on the back end for your bookkeeper. Or, or maybe even your accountant to be able to look up and see how we're doing by by each offer that you sell. Again, we're going into one place to make that happen. There's not three, four, five different places that then just makes it difficult to really track and see what's going on in this business. So again, while it is helpful to have the business and personal finances separate, that's a great start. Let's just make sure that on the business side, we don't overcomplicate it to a place where we have 17 different ways money is flowing through the business. How mm-hmm. can we consolidate that down to just maybe Five to seven at
0: most. So, I have a question about that. So, you know, when I, I was listening to that, I have, uh, for example, I have two ways to collect money one is through PayPal and one, and the other is through Stripe. And I keep it very, very simple. So, the both, you know, both of them, and I have two checking accounts. And the reason for this is because uh one is the main account, and the second one is where I make payments from. So I don't have I I don't have a credit card. I, this is actually a good idea. I, I didn't think of this. I should just get a credit card on for my for my bank. But the limit isn't enough, and that's why I haven't really bothered. But it, I think as my business as my company grows, we could we could apply for um, extension on the limit. But it's where one cut when one account is where I pay everything from, and and I'm a bit wary of online because we've had you know this you know, the I've uh, card thefts and whatever else and so forth. Um, and so i don't keep it and because we have large amounts of money i keep it in the main account so the main account stays separate and um, the, this other account is where we make make the payments from now that's the payment side the actual income comes from stripe and paypal so that's pretty simple enough I said, you know i don't really have to focus on the actual you know checkout card we i know all the revenue is going to be either coming through stripe or through paypal paypal for my understanding there it gives you how much, it doesn't matter how much, even if it takes off you know, outgoings, it gives you a breakdown in the report of your income. So the amount of money you made. And that's that's what your your accountant or bookkeeper needs to know is how much income you've generated from both both places. Is that not right? It is,
1: but that's only gonna be part of the story. So when your business is just getting started out, or just getting started, um, it might be easy to go in PayPal and Stripe and know exactly who's paid you and what they paid you for. Mm. What we see is as our clients' businesses start to expand, Hmm. the reporting in PayPal and Stripe is not conducive to to easily and quickly analyzing how's the business doing. And that's why that checkout software is so important because let's say uh, we have a client using ThriveCard or SamCard, and this is just software that allows you to create a checkout page for your customers to enter in their credit card information and then submit payment to you. The merchant provider, whether they're they're using their credit card so that it goes through your Stripe account or whether they're paying you with their own PayPal account. So it goes to your PayPal account. That's fine. That's, we want to give mm-hmm. your, I mean, the more options we can give your class, your customers to pay you mm-hmm. the more likely you're going to get paid. But that's where having that again, Sam or thrive cart type checkout software before the merchant accounts. Now, if your bookkeeper wanted to go log in and start to tell you, Hey, sure. PayPal and Stripe told us we made $15,000 this month. But where is it coming from? PayPal and Stripe is going to make it very cumbersome to try to figure out where did the money come from? Versus, So if we have a client who sells five different courses and we saw they made $40,000 this month, if they have some sort of central checkout software, our team can literally go in Mm -hmm. separate the revenue by offer and go, hey, we made $40,000 and 60% of that revenue came from offer one, Mm -hmm. 10% came from offer two, so on and so forth. So now we can start to get a little more insight as the business grows into where is our money coming from and which revenue stream should we be focusing on the most? Does that make sense?
0: Yes, completely, completely. And that really makes sense, especially when you scale up. I think it's easier when you have one or two offers. And I think I'm one of those, our business owners, I, I don't like to have too many offers going out. I focus on one maximum two offers at a time. So I know exactly what where the money is coming from. And I, I always focus on, you know, it's better to spend 80% of the time on the on the 20% that's going to generate you money. And that's generally tends to be the case. So my, I usually have just one or two offers at a time. I know exactly where the money is coming from, so it's not a problem. But I do understand if you have multiple offers, you want to know where, how, and how they're generating, and which one you should kill and which one you should scale up. So I, I completely get that. All right. So once we have that in place, what's the next step?
1: So from from there, there's a there's this mindset shift that that catches up with you eventually as you start to run your business for a while and we actually make money from it. Okay. And, and this mind shift, uh, mindset shift, I call it, is playing the two games of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. There's two games we're all playing, mm-hmm. running our businesses, but a lot of the times we don't know it that there's a second game until it becomes painful. Mm-hmm. So I kind of alluded to this before. um, I think before, I can't remember now. Go if we talked about it before we actually hit record. But I think so many entrepreneurs get focused on this sales and marketing. Right? We want to yeah. find our customers and learn how to sell to them, and, and yeah. that's a really important piece. If we don't have anyone to sell our stuff to, we have an expensive hobby. Right? <laughs> exactly, it's not exactly. much of a business. Yeah. So, so of course, that's naturally what every business owner is going to want to focus on. Yeah. Is how do I sell more of my offer? Mm-hmm. Great. Believe it or not, they're they're for a lot of our clients, there gets to be a point where they're not quite so worried about selling anymore, right? Because they they feel like they have some funnels, whether it's organic, whether yeah. it's paid traffic, whether it's their social media following, their email list, where they're like, okay, we're going to sell some stuff. Like we got a following, we got customers, we're going to be good to go. But once they start to actually pay attention to their numbers, they go, oh, I'm driving revenue, but am I keeping anything? at mm-hmm. the end of the day and that's going to be your profit. And yeah. so I think we don't concern ourselves with profit as much in the early stages of our business because we're just like, okay, are we bringing in money? We don't have that many expenses anyways. I'm just trying to get myself paid, you know, maybe replace the income I had from my my day job I had before and we'll go from there. But as your business grows, we have to start making more decisions around the expenses that we're bringing into our business and now we're talking about managing cash flow. Mm -hmm. And that's the second game that sneaks up on entrepreneurs because eventually, and you're lucky if you get to this point, it's a very fortunate situation to be in, but you get to a point where just making money, like making sales is no longer good enough. Mm -hmm. You now have to learn to play the second game, which is how do I make money profitably? How do I make myself? Because if I told you I have a business where I'm making a million dollars a year in revenue, but it's costing me a million dollars in ads to make that million dollars. I mean, yeah. sure, it's impressive that I can make a million dollars in sales, but that business model isn't going to work. There's going to be no money left over. And you're going to be like, mm-hmm. well, why are you even going through all that effort to make mm-hmm. those sales if it's not going to make you any money? And I think that's where it's maybe not as obvious as that for a lot of business owners, but it starts to sneak up on them. Yeah. And so that's where it's really important that we understand again, we're not just getting a paycheck like we used to at our, you know, at our jobs, mm-hmm. we now have money coming in and we're making the decisions as the business owners to where that money is going to go, whether mm-hmm. it's going to contractors, your software, to consultants um, or to your own pocket. And it can yeah. get a little overwhelming trying to figure out, well, what's actually going on there and how do I balance all this? And that's why, again, this is going to be a little self-serving because I own a bookkeeping business here in the United States, mm-hmm. but that's where it's like, we then we now need to have some sort of financial clarity. We have mm-hmm. to have some way of tracking what's going on in our businesses from a financial standpoint. So, you know, because looking in your bank account, that only tells you how much money we have in the business. It doesn't tell us necessarily in an easy way, what we're actually spending our money on because you just yeah. see this list of transactions one after another that trying to group that all together without bookkeeping software or bookkeeping or a bookkeeper who knows how to use that software properly can organize it for you in a way where you start to go okay cool I spent this amount of money on my software I spent this amount of money on my ads manager or on my VA or on my Uh, even your rent, whatever it is, and starting group grouping that together in a monthly report. So you go, oh, here's the areas I'm spending the most money on. Here's the areas where um, maybe I'm not spending enough money on. And here's what my profitability is. So Mm. without someone keeping track of that, and again, in the early stages of a lot of businesses, it's the business owner, maybe using Mm. a spreadsheet and just kind of going through and tracking those transactions, because maybe there aren't that many transactions in your business to begin with. Mm. But once you start to get a lot of transactional activity there's a lot of financial transactions happening that's when bringing in a bookkeeper to start organizing this data for you becomes really important so that way you have some sort of visibility into the cash flow that that's occurring in your business on a monthly basis
0: i mean that like, that completely resonates with me and i remember one of my mentors said that uh, most six figure earners are literally just above being broke themselves because then they are six-figure six figure earners, but they spend that much money too. So they're not profitable. So for myself, for very early on, I, I kept an eye on my profit. Is that I think we were talking off camera when, when, when I was saying that I made sure that I, I became profitable early on. And therefore my growth has been slower because when you go scale your business up and growing, especially in the online space, you're trying to scale up um, you know, aggressively you lose out on the profits and, and when you do it slower, you, you can sustain your growth because you can make sure that every level you're still profitable. And at the next level, you're getting more profitable, even if it's 5%, but you're at least more profitable than before, rather than the other way around. And a lot of people scale up and grow the businesses, but they find that they've, they've, they now have a, you know, annually six figure or multiple six figure business, but they're not profitable. And, And this is a major, major concern, but this is exactly what you're coming. You're saying is we need to have, this um a visual you know this in a, in a visual aspect by having a bookkeeper or, or somebody in-house or externally either way to go in and look through where our expenses are and what, what what our revenue is and if we're if we're profitable that's great if so how much and if we want to grow how do we sustain that profitability growing you know, as we grow and i think this is a very very crucial point because you know i, I think we've all heard this phrase cash flow is king and online business is no different. So if we don't maintain cash flow, we uh, we're not um, you know we're not profit. We, we can't grow a business and we can't sustain it for a very long time. And I'm gonna I should talk about here something that you maybe you can shed some light on. I find that on especially in the online space, people tend to okay they they have a business they grow, and I'm guilty of this. This so is why I can talk about it you start thinking, okay, let me go expand here and let me go and do this and let me go and do that. And I mean, I, I wanted to have a podcast forever and I did get my podcast and I'm really glad about it. We, we're doing really well with it. But along with that, I started up a YouTube channel and I did this and I did that. And I, you know, other things happened. So I hired all these team members and I was paying somebody to, you know, to transcribe my, my podcast into blogs. And I was having somebody else do it, you know, edit my videos into, for the YouTube. And all of a sudden, I had a team of about 10 people doing all these different things. Guess what you're doing? That, that, that did to my profitability. Reduced it. And how much income was it generated from this? Zero, right? So I think we are guilty of focusing on activities, both with time and money, which doesn't bring you overall profit. How, 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 how true is that for you, Papa? How, have you found I mean,
1: that? Yeah, you're speaking universal truth of business mm-hmm. right there. Um, that's why focus and strategy is so crucial and understanding what's really important for your business. Now, do we have clients that in the or, you know, maybe they, because all of the clients that we work with are making at least a hundred thousand dollars a year, U.S. dollars a year or more. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So they've already reached a certain level of success in their businesses, but there's still a long ways to go in yeah. terms of how to build a scalable business. Um, and so maybe they're still experimenting with some of their marketing strategies. Maybe they're still experimenting with some of their, even just pro, like the way they package their mm-hmm. offers. And that's okay. I think you have to experiment with that, but there needs to be a A goal of we're trying to focus down our offer, like you were talking about earlier. Goal, right? Mm -hmm. The less things we have to sell, I I truly see from a financial standpoint, the faster a business grows. Yeah. Um, But we also have to be thinking about, again, what activities in our business are most likely to drive revenue. So, what we ask our clients to think about is if you're going to be adding an expense into the business, it needs to do one of two things. It needs to either A, free you up as the business owner hmm. so that you're not doing non-revenue generating activities because for almost I'd say 99.9% of businesses the business owner is the one who's going to be the most effective at at figuring out how do we make more revenue yeah. right you are the advertiser yes. the marketer the salesperson hiring someone else to do that in the early stage of your business is almost impossible yeah. so that's why the the less you're spending acti- so that's why like hiring a VA for for instance having a VA help you do, again, activities that are important for the business, they still need to get done. But the more you can, from a cost-effective standpoint, have someone else do those activities for you so you can do the things that are going to drive revenue, that's a, that's a great thing yeah. to invest in. Hmm. But then there's the the other type of investment where maybe it's it is hiring Uh, uh, an ads manager and starting to spend money on ads where you're going to get a direct return on it, right? When you hire someone to free up your time to focus on revenue uh, generating activities, it's a little more indirect investment to make Mm. money. But then we have these more direct investments like advertising or maybe even joining a coaching program Mm. where you're going to I'm going to give you a thousand dollars, but in return, you're going to teach me how to make $50,000 more in my business, Mm -hmm. right? You're going to teach me skills that are going to make me more effective at driving sales. So as long as we're doing one of those two things, we're good. But I think the trap that we all fall into as business owners, we think there's too many of those revenue generating activities around us that we have to be thinking more strategically around. Well, if I'm going to invest in a podcast and that's going to be a part of my marketing strategy, then. How do I make sure that my that strategy really is sound and it's really working in with mm-hmm. the rest of my business, my marketing operations in my business? And it's not just something we're adding on without really any thought around, well, really, how is this going to drive the needle for us? How's it going to move the needle for mm-hmm. us? And that's where again, that strategy piece here, um, we have to experiment in the beginning, but eventually we we need to start shaping a cohesive strategy. So we're putting money into the levers in our business that are gonna give us the best return.
0: I'm mean, gonna I completely agree with that. And I think this is this is the key because not every time you go and hire these uh, these experts and these individuals, it will be profitable. I mean, I, again, I can share very openly one of my examples. I recently hired a company for because I wanted to take um, marketing out of my hands because at the moment I, I was doing my own Facebook ads and so forth. I gave it to an agency, and they <laughs> they completely messed me up. They actually did, got my uh, Facebook ad um, deactivated. So um, you would end up facing things like that. And I paid them a lot of money, a lot of money as well. Like it wasn't, they weren't even cheap. Like they were expensive. Um, They were the high end rather than the low end. And so and I thought, oh, they come out with all this fancy stuff and whatever, and they, they got my ad account completely deactivated, so Aww. they put me in, in rubbish. I mean, I like I said, um, I, I it's a mindset thing. So for me, it was like, oh, well, it means I need to use another platform, <laughs> and it means I need, I need to go about it in a different way, which is perfectly fine, because I've just rearranged my business in a different way. But this could also happen. So when you do hire people, again, um, somebody who's writing my blogs so has, you know, she recently quit, Again, things like that. But if you think about it, was my blogs getting me anything? No. Was my YouTube stuff getting me any, any clients? No. Uh, it was building the authority, but it's not generating income. Whereas when I do my workshops or when I'm doing some other things, especially ads, um, you know, through Facebook and now YouTube ads, they are income generating for me. So that's what I need to be focused on. I should be focused on a hundred things which don't get me income and it's, it's good for my ego like you know people know me on youtube and people know me here and there and, and my name's getting and well known but if it's not bringing money to me then it's an activity which i should put a cross on and leave until i have the time and especially money to go frivolous on at the moment that's a waste of time and uh, money i would you agree
1: yeah and that's where understanding what stage you're at in your business is really crucial because you're always going to run into this. There's, you're never going to have enough time, money, or resources to do all the things you want to do. Even Mm -hmm. our biggest clients still have to be selective and strategic around what they're going to spend money on or spend their team's time on or their own time on in the business. But in the very early stages of your business, it's short-term. Hmm. as you're as you get better at generating revenue in the short term and we have more profitability in the business to work with that we have this extra cash flow hmm. that if we can start figuring okay starting to get better at generating cash as i need it how can i start to put some of these long term strategies in place hmm. and i think a lot of entrepreneurs just want to put those long term strategies in place maybe a little sooner than it actually can actually afford to do so. Because even for our business, you know, of all finance, we've been around for 10 years. We're fairly established. And I have to fight this all the time. I want to write a book. I want to continue to experiment with advertising. I want to be on every podcast I possibly can. Um, We want to add new revenue streams and new products and new service. And what we found is that even we might start beginning into a place. We can start to explore some of these things. We can't do all of them at once. So it's figuring out because, because we know our business model, we understand our market. We have to take those baby steps towards what's going to drive the most revenue. What's going to move the business forward the fastest. Mm -hmm. And again, if you do those things first, you're going to have way more opportunity to to even experiment with more long-term strategies. If you're focusing on the low hanging fruit first, and that's where sometimes in the early stages of your business, you're not sure what the low hanging fruit is because it all feels like that because you have more time and you have more opportunity to explore things because no single one thing for a lot of new business owners really works yet. So you're trying all the things, but that's where, again, trying to be strategic and commit to some of these things and giving them a fair shot to work before we go and try seven other things. Mm it is crucial because as soon as one thing clicks, then you start putting your money, your time, your resources into amplifying that one strategy that works. And that's when, again, we see our clients' revenue grow. We see their profitability grow because they're not spreading their resources out across a bunch of things that aren't really moving the business forward. They're putting all their resources into the thing that's working. And again, just amplifies it 10 10 times over.
0: I think there's this one thing that we've, as those um, as as entrepreneurs forget is that the time is finite, and uh, you know not only is money finite, but so is time. There's a limitation. There's only 24 hours in a day, and there's only so much you can do, and there's only so much energy that you have to be able to do this. Even if you're sleeping four hours a day, and you know working 16 hours in your the business, there's only so much you can do, and if you're focus is all over the place and you're doing 10 things simultaneously then making a business profitable is going to be very exhausting whereas if you focus on 20 percent of your uh, your actions which generate 80 percent of your revenue and and build on that I think that is where um that is what's going to make you profitable so if you have everything else we discussed in the beginning of this call in place then the way to move forward which I'm listening from hearing from you is Keep your focus very narrow on what's generating income for you, and be very aware of that. Everything else, frivolous like being on Clubhouse and being on all these other things, which you know, all the new, new you know, fancy shmancy apps that come up, all Mm -hmm. these new things that come up are great, and but you need to put them away if you don't have the time to go and explore and focus just on generating a certain level of income. And then maybe taking a step back, if you can delegate the task to a VA or to somebody else, take a step back and then explore other possibilities. Um, but you need to get to a certain level of profit first. I mean, I think you can use any one particular platform um, and get to at least 100K a year level. I mean, I remember I got to 100K with Facebook initially, and I didn't, I didn't spend any money on ads until then. I mean, only once across the 100K mark did I actually spend money on ads. Because you don't need to, you can use the platform as it is. And there's LinkedIn and there's YouTube and other things, because there's so many platforms available that you can do so, you know, you can actually establish a business first. Once you know you have a proven product, a proven um, a system in place, or, or the funnel or what, what have you, then go and, you know, put some money behind it through marketing and then focus on how to do the marketing. Wouldn't you agree?
1: No, I mean, 100% it's what we try to talk to our clients about all the time is a lot of the times growing our businesses, isn't always about adding new things. It's about yeah, it removing, removing, uh, the unnecessary things. Um, mm-hmm. when I was in the corporate world, um, we went through, um, the lean, like the lean manufacturing process, Kaizen, mm-hmm. these concepts, um, I think developed by Toyota, where mm-hmm. when you're thinking about the complexity of building a vehicle, right. That, that manufacturing line mm-hmm. of, um, and all the little parts and pieces and things that need to happen to put a a full car together, especially at scale, it, it's really overwhelming, right So what the Toyota um, operations people did, they developed the strategy where it's like how do we get to the results that we want in the the, the quickest way possible in the most direct route possible So if there was a seven step process to install the side view, you know, the side view mirror on their cars and they could reduce that down to four, then typically that saves the money and it makes the process more effective yeah. and more efficient, right? And I think the same goes for when we're building our businesses because it is kind of a manufacturing line of it how do we find our customers? When do they get in here? Then yeah. how do we serve them? And then how do we offboard them, right? And there's all these to-dos and steps that go along that a lot of the times maybe don't feel like in the beginning because you're just reacting and doing it naturally to begin with. Yeah. Um, but the more steps we start to add to try to get to a result, which is why I think it's so important. We're clear on what are we trying to actually accomplish in our business? Like, what is our goal? What is our real focus here? I think sometimes it's just oh, we'll make money. I just want to make money, but it's like, no, we have to be more clear on that when we're mm-hmm. forecasting our businesses around who are we going to make that money from? How are we going to solve that problem for them? Mm. Well, who are the people we're going to push aside and go, hey, I'm sorry, you're not the right customer for us. Mm. This is our customer and this is who we're going to serve. Then you can start to, it makes it so much easier when that clarity from the top is there around what we're trying to accomplish as a company, because then you only put pieces, the pieces in place that are going to support that. We're not putting anything extra in there because we're so clear on where are we going? And it's so funny, uh, the book Traction talks about visionaries and integrators, you know, you have that, usually the business owner is the person setting the vision. And mm-hmm. then you have someone else who's kind of more in the operations and making sure the execution of that vision's in place. I think as owners, we sometimes think we're more visionaries than we actually are. Mm-hmm. And, we're, and, and for a lot of us, we're not, we're mm-hmm. actually super unfocused and our vision is really cloudy and really unclear. So if that vision isn't as rock solid as you can possibly make it, then how are you supposed to move in the right direction, let alone get your team members to go in the same direction Mm. as you as well? And if you're not, it just gets really expensive. And again, we struggle with profitability almost every time you run into problems like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that makes complete sense to me because I think, I I mean, I'm I'm just listening to this and thinking what I did last year and why I almost came to a burnout towards the end of the year. And I'm not one for hustle. I always say, oh, I'm not one for hustle. I'm not. But I found, because I was trying to do all these things, which is now looking back, seems frivolous, trying to make sure I have this, this place and make sure I have this, and I make sure I'm appearing as, as a... Because I was not only was, uh, trying to establish my own podcast, I was appearing as guests in other pop- uh, other, mm-hmm. other podcasts and trying to do a gazillion things. It, and all of that was great to get my name out, and I was appearing left, right, center, people recognizing me. But how often was that generating leads to get bring you know, clients into me? Not so much. It was a lot more direct line to just send them an ad, get them to up options to workshop and going to come in and, and do the work with me. It was a lot simpler. And um, and that's where I think we all can have. And this, I think this is where a danger of it, Parker, because I think we taste uh, we get a little bit of taste of success and we think, OK, how do I scale this success up? By, oh, let more people get to know who I am. Whereas actually that's not really what's required at times. It's more narrowing the focus. And say, okay, this is working for me. How do I bring more people into my world so we can do this more efficiently? I think that the, the Kaiser method exactly is what we need as entrepreneurs. Not adding things on, but what can I take away to make it more streamlined? Because wasn't the other notice was the more variables we have, and this is uh, you know physics as a one-on-one, uh, the more variables we have, the more things can go wrong.
1: Yes. That's why, for me personally, I would rather buy a Toyota than a BMW or a Mercedes Benz that I know is going to have way more moving pieces and moving parts in it to break. Is there beauty and structured complexity? No question. Mm -hmm. And that complexity is great when you have the money to be able to afford to do, you know, have a Mercedes Benz business or even just own a Mercedes Benz and you go, it's going to break. That's okay. I have the money, time and resources to fix it. I get enough enjoyment driving that Mercedes. That's okay. But if you're on the cusp of being able to afford to drive a Mercedes and you love the moving seats and the technology and all the things they put in it, but then those things start to break five, seven, 10 years down the road, and you're spending all this money fixing it, like that shouldn't come as a surprise to you. And it's the same with your business. If you're going to put all these moving pieces in place and, and they start to break, are we really set up? Are we really in a position to be able to support all those pieces moving uh, and having to fix and, and adjust and, and take into account um, all these moving pieces in our business? And, and th- there was one piece I wanted to um, I wanted to touch on here. Uh, and now I've lost my train of thought and I forgot what I wanted to add to it. Um, but but I think essentially we have it all comes down to knowing your business yep. and trusting a little bit of your instincts and seeing when things are going well. And this is actually I, I this is what I wanted to say. Sometimes when something's working and this is something maybe you've talked, you know, talked to some of your clients mm-hmm. about from a mindset standpoint goal is when it starts to work, that's scary in its own right. And it yeah. feels more comfortable to start to go do something new than
0: mm-hmm. than it, than it yes. is to
1: really go down that path, mm-hmm. really commit to that path and see where it goes and watch it grow. Because it means usually means you're going to get uncomfortable and it means you're going to have to do more work on yourself, to be able to get better at doing whatever that path is taking you you down. Mm. Um, But that's something we see, again, with a lot of our clients doing less than maybe $300,000 a year. It's not because they don't know that it's it's better to have a streamlined business. It's just, it's scary to think about all the new things we have to work on our business to support extra growth and new Mm. growth by being focused on that one thing. My business partner and I have been, we've fallen suspect, you know, we've fallen to that in the past and, um, mm-hmm. and it's been an uncomfortable ride ever since we committed to staying more focused, but our business has also grown more in the last three years than it did in its first seven years mm-hmm. because of that, but we've been uncomfortable, for a long time. It's been a little more stressful, but it's also been way more fulfilling to be like, Mm. oh, we're doubling down on this. This is going to take us to new places we've never been before. We're going to have to trust that we can solve these problems and we can can move through the new problems that are going to pop uh, pop up in the business. And it's been some of the most rewarding work I've ever done in my life going in this direction. But Mm. we do have to be brave enough to commit to the things that are working and trust that we'll figure out what to do when we reach new levels that we've never Mm. been to before.
0: Yeah. And I completely agree. I completely agree with that. I think that aspect when you, when you, when you think, oh, so I can get to the 500K a a month or a million a month. Oh, that's scary. Let me go. (laughs) Let me go see if I can go um, and set up a YouTube channel (laughs) instead. Exactly. (laughs) So I I completely, that completely resonates with me. And I, I think this if there's one thing that I think this conversation should get across is one, lay down solid foundations for your business. But secondly, narrow down your focus on how you're going to grow. Focus on the growth, focus on the profit and not on frivolous, uh, you know, could have, should have, maybe it just because it looks good and just because everyone else is doing it. Focus on what's bringing you profit and keep your eyes on the, on the end game, which is profitability, not necessarily revenue. Revenue is great, uh, but if less it's generating profit, it's, um, it's meaningless as far as I'm concerned. And I think this is the point that you're trying to get across. Totally agree. Okay. So yeah. And
1: that's, let's take that responsibility. Let's take ownership of our businesses and let's take the blinders off to the things that we're, uh, you know, that maybe Mm. we're not as good at in our business, or we've typically wanted to ignore, which is finance tends to be the part, the money part tends to be something we want to ignore. The sooner you can look at that stuff head on, the sooner you will reach those levels in your business that I think we all want to get to.
0: Fabulous. So on that note, we will close this episode. Thank you so much for being such an amazing guest again. Parker, where can we find you if you want to get in contact with you?
1: Yeah. Evolvedfinance.com is the is the best place to go. That's E-V-O-L-V-E-D, evolvedfinance.com. Uh, I have a podcast where I talk a lot about this stuff just myself, like 15, 20 minute episodes. We have a great workshop on the on the website that you can sign up for replay where we give you a free personal budgeting tool, business budgeting tool. We talk up even more about some of the concepts that we talked about here um, on this on this podcast. and uh, yeah, it's just a great place to learn more about finance and learn more about how bookkeeping can uh, make your business a heck of a lot easier to run.
0: Thank you so much. And for those listening or well, those listening on the podcast, they uh, all the links that Parker just mentioned will be in the show notes. So please do go check it out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, let down below, you'll see the links in the description for his website and all his links will be up there as well. Thank you so much, Parker. I think we'll have to have you back in, in, the, in a little while and come and talk to us more about how we can keep an eye on accounts and our bookkeeping to make sure we make we have profitable business. I think the key word for today is profitable businesses. We all have successful businesses, but success is only short-lived if it's not profitable. And I think that's something that we need to be aware of. And thank you so much for highlighting that today. It's been a pleasure talking to you and fun as always. Uh, thank you so much, Parker. For those listening, thank you so much for being with us. I will be back on another Money Talkies episode talking about something and some other aspects which can help you build your business. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.